Have you heard of Pink Salt Riot products? Jewelry, greeting cards, lifestyle goods, gifts, anyone who loves Jesus would love. All of it exists to remind women of what God says about them, that they are beloved and that they are worthy exactly as they are. Everything they make points us back to that truth. You can follow them at Pink Salt Riot on TikTok and on Instagram. I know that it's important to me to shed a veneer of performance and to show up authentically as possible and to live into the mission that God has for me. And Pink Salt Riot certainly helps me do that. You'll love it. Hello, I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is Center Saint Sister, a podcast that dives into whatever we might be feeling that day. I love introducing you to people that you might not know, but should. And I love connecting you with people you may already know and love, and then letting them share how they have lived life deeply. If you hear something over the next hour or so that you think a friend would enjoy, please consider sharing this episode. And if you haven't already, please consider writing a review. All of those things help us grow the podcast, which is really helpful. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. Because of all of the bless you's and bless your hearts that get thrown around, I feel like the word blessing has kind of lost its oomph. Because when I say that we had a babysitter that was a blessing, I really don't feel like the statement gets the reverence it deserves because Kelly was a blessing. Maybe the concept of a blessing should be like the concept of snow in Alaska. I hear they have like nine words for it or something. And if this were the case, then you could have a sneeze kind of blessing and then a Kelly kind of blessing. The same, but different. Kelly was this giant sweep of calmness that walked into our house a couple of times a week, sometimes because I desperately needed her, and then other times because against all odds, she found our house relaxing and loving and a safe place to land. Kelly was certainly all of those things for our children, relaxing, loving, and a safe place to land. Kelly was quick to listen. She was slow to give advice. She chose her words very wisely. She used very few of them, but every single one of them mattered. For example, if Kelly were the one writing this, it probably wouldn't be littered with the all caps, bold, and italics, and all three that I write with. Her words spoke for themselves just as they were. Kelly was just as she was, and she made you just as you were when you were around her, which I especially cherished for my children. For a while, I was certain she was some celestial being. Many times I would call Kelly because I was dripping in children and there was a bird stuck in the garage and so many things were neglected around my house that we could have a reality show called Five Kids, Five and Under is a Safety No. Kelly would come to our rescue just for one little hour so that I could do laundry or take a nap or go rescue that bird so that I didn't give away the next child who was asking for water like I was tempted to. I'd call and she'd answer. Then the kids would jump up and down when they saw her pull up. They knew she'd give them water. And she would walk in and hug me and tell the kids to get their shoes and ask for my keys and when I needed them back. Is tomorrow too soon? I'd ask weekly and she'd smile and say, how about seven? Seth will be home by then, right? And then I'd kiss her feet and cry a little and flip her a credit card and watch my kids skip to our van. And do you want to know where she would take them? She would take them to church. Church! Kelly would go to daily mass and she would often take my kids with her voluntarily. She liked it, she said. I'm sorry, I say. 
do you understand that a good portion of why I feel compelled to go to church every Sunday is because all the cussing I did last Sunday trying to convince the congregation that my children are not heathens, even though one laughed, one threw up, and one meowed throughout the entire Mass? (sighs) I need to pray for myself, I'd explain to her. Do you understand, Kelly, that you were doing impossible things with a smile on your face? And then she would just smile at me reassuringly, lovingly. And she would tell me that daily mass is much shorter than regular mass, because how would I know? And that the kids do an excellent job, and that was probably why. I would eye her suspiciously and truly wonder if she was a seraph. (sighs) But my favorite story about Kelly is one day we pulled into our driveway and the kids saw her car before I did. And when we walked in, she was in her spot working on an application and she could tell that I was tired and she asked me if I was okay. I explained to her that I hadn't been sleeping well. And I told her in broad strokes about a friendship that I was worried about. I was worried that I had misrepresented myself, that I had chosen words without enough care, that I was misunderstood, and that I had tried really hard to do what I thought was right, but maybe I was wrong. And Kelly thought for a minute, and then she said this. She said, it sounds to me that you have acted with very pure and honest and loving intentions. And I think that's all you can do in this life. And so maybe now it's time to love like a sunset. Sunsets don't grasp. They don't beg. They're just there, offering their beauty in the hope of a new day. Sunsets don't grasp. They bring peace. And all of those words that you just used to describe how you feel, those are grasping words. There's desperation in them. And I think that you need to know that you were loving, she said. And you need to offer your beauty, maybe from a distance. But don't grasp. I do think it's important to love intensely, she said. But I also think that intensely sometimes means not having much control. But maybe that's okay, because then you can allow God to have it instead. And maybe that's something that could give you a little comfort right now. Agape. I was agape. I looked over at my husband, and he was also agape. We nodded slowly, and we squinted at her. And I was no longer wondering if she was a celestial being. I was totally convinced. Seraph, for sure. By the way, have I mentioned that Kelly was 20? As in the number between 19 and 21, 20. Looking back on that time in my life, I can see now why Kelly is so special. It wasn't that she was just a good listener to those around her. She was. But she also listened keenly to herself. She allowed silence and pauses and space in order to think clearly about what was important to her so that she wasn't quite so reactionary. She was thoughtful and intentional and resolved instead. And she was responsible to herself, to her mind, to her body, and her spirit. She paid holy attention to her inner voice and what it was specifically that made her feel renewed and the things that cost her too much. And with that information, she let go of what she needed to let go of, and she embraced what she needed to embrace. She had really good insight about the choices that didn't just make her feel good in the moment, but that would make her feel better later. And all in all, what I can see now is that Kelly, while taking great care of our family, took great care of herself. And thinking that those two things have little to do with one another would be an oversight. In watching Kelly practice self-care in ways that went far beyond manicures or coffee treats, I realized that I had spent a lifetime feeling the mistakes of my spread too thin, not enough sleep, people-pleasing, working off of a to-do list that I didn't know how to replace my bad habits for better ones. 
And there was something about watching Kelly live and breathe and pray and think and hold her tongue and take in fresh air and go for a walk and treat herself kindly that began a work in me. The years in which Kelly made herself at home in our home helped me to feel at home in my own skin. My guest today, Casey Davis, is chapter two of my continuing education. I found Casey on TikTok and was captivated by her ability to care for herself and to help her followers care for themselves by helping us all get underneath our problems, even or especially if it's a problem that seems small or mundane, like laundry and dishes. She helps us slow down to ask ourselves the hard questions of what am I feeling right now and why am I feeling like this? And then pointing us to manageable ways to be kinder to ourselves. She specializes in self-care, but not the kind you might think. You'll see. Casey's kind of self-care, it has less to do with indulgences and more to do with good boundaries and prioritizing your emotional needs. One day, I found myself watching one of her videos with a clenched jaw and wearing my shoulders as earrings, and by the time it was over, I was taking deeper breaths and feeling slightly more at ease because I was realizing that I didn't need to live a life that treated me like a machine. And that my distress wasn't from my circumstances, but instead the messages that I was telling myself about my circumstances. I started following KC because she showed me her messy kitchen and made me feel a little bit better about mine. But I asked her on the show because it ended up being revolutionary and had hardly anything to do with my kitchen. This is Casey Davis of Domestic Blisters on TikTok, creator of StruggleCare.com and author of How to Keep House While You're Drowning. I can't wait for you to meet her. Okay, friends, is everyone already following at Junk Gypsy and at The Wonder Inn on Instagram? If not, scoot on over. I'll wait. I have spent the last decade admiring the talent of Junk Gypsy. Clothes, boots, jewelry, antiques. They're a little hard to pin down, a little airless, a little mapless, throwbacks, visionaries, but definitely creative misfits. And I thought that I loved everything there was to love about Junk Gypsy, but then I went and stayed at their farmhouse and now I am completely speechless. Almost. I wasn't completely sure when I was there I was in heaven, but then they gently tapped on the door in the morning and they brought me warm biscuits. Go, you guys. It would be so perfect for a girl's weekend. Go visit their store in Round Top. Go find their website at gypsyville.com. Follow them on Instagram at Junk Gypsy and at The Wonder Inn. You won't be disappointed. Hello, Casey. I am so excited to have you on the show. I don't know if you would remember this, but so we're on TikTok together mm-hmm. and we probably got on at about the same time. And I don't know that you would remember this, but I, we had a, a kid prank and um, it showed my refrigerator. And so as the kids were opening my refrigerator, someone commented on this video that I I don't know if it went viral, but um, had a lot of views. And so someone commented on the state of my refrigerator um, that it was disgusting. And so by disgusting, their definition of disgusting was that there were a bunch of fingerprints on the handle of my refrigerator. Oh my God. So I know, right. <laughs> that we use this refrigerator yes. that we open several times a day. There yes. are seven people who live in my home. <laughs> Wait, it's coming back to me. I remember this exact. TikTok. You do. You do. Okay. So they comment on my refrigerator that it's disgusting. Now for me personally, because a lot of my TikToks involve my kids. I don't do a lot of response videos because I might be, you know, putting a child in their place as I yeah. make them. So so I'm, I'm a little careful about that. Um, but I did in this instance because 
to me, it felt like an opportunity to just talk about the things that I think are important. Yeah. And the fingerprints on my, the handle of my refrigerator is not that. Okay. So I make this video and I say, you know what, here's the thing I could, I suppose I could wipe it 40 times a day and that might please you, but it doesn't please me. And so I've just made peace with a couple of dishes in the sink because it means that we've eaten. I've made peace with markers on the floor because it means that we've created. And as I put this video out that obviously resonated with a ton of women, um, people, your people were tagging you, tagging you, tagging you, because this message is so central to this very important work that you do. So what I would love to start with is just you introducing yourself in your way to my listeners and how it is that you got to be on TikTok and how it is that this work became so important to you. Absolutely. So I'm Casey Davis. Professionally, I have been a licensed professional therapist for some time now, and I decided to be a stay-at-home mom when I had my first child. And then I had my second kid about a year ago, like three weeks before the pandemic shut down and was just drowning in overwhelm and postpartum depression and anxiety and trying to keep up with the house. And my sister was begging me to get on TikTok. She's like, it's so funny. <laughs> It'll be a great way to pass the day. And I finally capitulated. Um, and long story short, I, after posting some videos where uh, I talked about cleaning, you know, uh -huh. people started to talk about how much shame they felt around their house right. being messy. And yes. I just kind of fell into this niche where I almost sort of like turned my therapist hat, my, you know, therapist on and went, well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about yeah. why we all feel so much shame around our house looking like it's lived in, like people yes. live here. And it just started this year long journey of, really exploring this one space, um, this idea that care tasks like cleaning and cooking, laundry, dishes, that they're morally neutral, yes. that we're not a failure or a success, depending on how many dirty dishes are in the sink, that we're not mm -hmm. good or bad. It has nothing to do with being a valid adult or a good mother or spouse. And this message started to really resonate with people. And the first shift I made was actually using this term care tasks, which I coined because we typically will talk about housework and chores and things like that. Yes. But what I found interesting was that when I change my baby's diaper and, you know, I feed her and then I have to give her a bath because she's messy and then I have to do her laundry and then maybe I pick up her toys. I don't refer to that as I'm doing my baby chores, uh -huh. right? Like we refer to that as I'm caring for my baby. Right. And, right. and if you were taking care of an elderly relative, you would do much the same. If you had to change their bed sheets or help them drink, uh, if you were doing their laundry for them, like you wouldn't say, Hey, I got to go do my grandma chores. Right. You would say, I, I care for my grandmother or I care mm -hmm. for my mother. And so I, I started noticing that even just in the language that we use, we don't center these same tasks when we do these same tasks for ourselves we don't center them as I'm caring for myself internally. Yes. We center yes. them externally as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing yeah. what I'm obligated to do. I am doing housework. I'm doing chores. I am. And 
I, you know, you and I both know this because of how many people will comment on what our home looks like in the background mm-hmm. is that there's almost this fear that drives us. We don't want to be shamed. We don't want to feel like we're not good enough. Even if no one's looking in our home, we have that internal dialogue. Right. And so yeah. I've just been talking about that for a year, this idea that care tasks are morally neutral that you deserve kindness regardless of your level of functioning. Even if you are in a hoarding house, even if you are so depressed that you have bugs, that still doesn't mean that you're experiencing a moral failure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I love most about how you approach this is that you take it from the ground up and you are so good at getting underneath the reasons that we are demotivated. You know, so so really starting with shame. So, for example, there are these things, and we do them every day. We do them all the time. We do them on repeat, and they seem mundane. They seem simple. I mean, how hard is feeding yourself? How hard is doing a load of laundry? You could train a monkey to do it, right? And so because they are repetitive and daily and mundane, we can so easily be overwhelmed by them. And then that overwhelm becomes this barrier to function, as you say. There are lots of barriers mm-hmm. to function. Um, But feeling overwhelmed and demotivated is such a big one. But even then, underneath that is this shame that you've talked about. I'm curious how we've gotten so messed up around caring for ourselves, you know, and, and getting the rest that we need. And I think so much of it starts early and starts young. Um, In your book, you talk about how when we're young, there's this finiteness to chores. It's like, do these five things, right? So Mm -hmm. do these five things and then you can go play. Um, Do these five things and then you can watch your show. And as as grownups, the game has changed because there's nothing finite um, about these care tasks. They're ongoing forever and always. We grow up (laughs) with this idea that not only around care tasks, but also with school. Everything is finite. It's this binary state of done or not done, right? Your homework is done or it's not done. And it's very easy to see if it's done. You've gone to the end back. You've you've read the chapter you were supposed to. You've gotten to the end of the worksheet. You know, your chore, clean up your room, put your dish in your sink, put your laundry, right? Everything is sort of very clearly structured when it's done and when it's not done. And we do have this sense and we're told by our parents often that, you know, you do, you have to do these things, these obligations, these responsibilities, then you can go and play, rest, recreate. And I know why we do this. I'm not necessarily saying, oh, how horrible of us, because it is our responsibility to teach our children responsibility. But what I have found happens is that when we move into adulthood, both with many people with work, but especially with care tasks, care tasks are actually cyclical in nature. They're not binary done or not done. Right. Um, And so they're never ending. There's always something else you could be cleaning. There's always something else you could be putting back in its place. There's always something else you could be washing or preparing. And when we stay in that mindset of I'm not allowed to, or it's lazy to, or irresponsible to rest or recreate or do any of this before these responsibilities. And we have this really sort of duality of here are the things that I'm supposed to do and here are the things I want to do. And the things I want to do are extra. They're indulgences. I can't prioritize those things before these things are done. And the problem is 
you get into your own space where you're responsible for your own self and maybe even a family, this list of things that are supposed to be done never ends and is pretty ambiguous. Like I talk sometimes about how I, I was very big struggle to keep my kitchen clean because my thought was keep the kitchen clean. I have to go clean the kitchen. Going to clean your kitchen is this very ambiguous idea because does that mean clear the counter? Does that mean <laughs> like clean it for an hour? There's always something in my kitchen that could be clean. Does that mean of I need course. to scrub the stove? Like when do I get right. to stop? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's difficult for us as adults because we don't have that structure of here's playtime, here's right. work time. Right. So, so in in your work and getting underneath the problem, we have shame on one hand because these things should be easy, right? Except they're not, and I'm overwhelmed by them. Everyone has to do them. My my struggle isn't unique. I feel like a lot of times we need um, this individual permission to be like, oh no, that really sucks. You're allowed to grieve, or oh no, that really sucks. You're allowed to struggle. We're not allowed to struggle because everybody has to do this, right? So there's so there's shame around being bad at it, maybe. Um, and then there's these habits that you, you know, that you just discussed about being young, you know, we've approached it this way forever. And so now not only do we never get to rest because it's ongoing forever and always, and we've been trained that, you know, rest is an indulgence, like you said, and then we have this shame around it. And so now we're never going to get the help we need around this because shame's isolating. We're not going to talk about it. And if it's going to have to be perfect in order for me to do the things I want to do for myself, we're never going to get anything done. And so we we fall into these terrible cycles. You used these words together in a sentence and, and maybe this is just me, but I had never heard these two words together before, but it was static perfection. Yeah. Okay. So, so the idea of this has to be perfect and it has to stay perfect. What's the point? I know that that's not going to happen because I live with these five little people. So, so there's, there's no point. So I'm just going to sit here in my mess and keep feeling bad about myself. Can we talk about a different way to look at static perfection? Because you give people so much permission to just start where they are. Yeah. I think it, it goes hand in hand with this idea that care tasks are cyclical. Like one of the most demotivating thoughts I think a lot of us have is what's the point of picking this up? It's just going to look like this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. Or and Yeah. In 10 minutes. And that comes from that place of, you know, I'm supposed to get it clean, quote unquote, clean, looking like a magazine cover. And it's supposed to stay there. I'm supposed to hold it there. I'm supposed to follow everyone around and make sure that, you know, if something comes out of place, it goes right back into place. So I can hold it in this spot. And I think a helpful shift that I realized one day in looking at my space, I've got two little kids that uh, basically two toddlers, and I'm looking at this space and when we move away from the idea that I'm morally obligated to keep this magazine cover living room to the idea that a care task exists to create a space that serves me and my family, that it's simply functional, picking up my living room and my playroom, it's functional, it's not moral. And the function is to keep it healthy, to keep it safe, to keep it so that, you know, I don't exist to serve this space. This space exists to serve me. So the functions that I need from this room are my kids need room to play. 
Nobody needs to be tripping over things. I need a safe place to prepare food. And then there's also a comfort and happiness level, right? It makes me happy to look at certain aesthetic aspects of my room. But when I say to myself, what's the point of doing this? It's just going to look like this again tomorrow. That's actually not true. It's only going to look like this tomorrow if I pick it up today. Right. It's only going to look like, like right now, as you're looking at your room, it's only going to look like that tomorrow. If I reset it right now, if I don't Mm -hmm. reset the space right now, it's going to be more cluttered than this. Yeah. Right. Because people are still living and creating clutter and and messing things up. So it's, it's just not going to be functional. So when I, when I clean a space, what I'm doing is resetting that space for another 24 hours of functionality or 48 mm-hmm. hours or maybe mm-hmm. 10 minutes, whatever the cycle is. Um, but yeah, it only looks like that again tomorrow if you clean it today. Otherwise it it looks worse. <laughs> but I love that idea. I, and it feels revolutionary to me because perfection, it's not static, it's dynamic, right? Like there's not only one way to load the dishwasher. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel oppressed just thinking about it, you know, that there's only <laughs> one way to do this thing, but dynamic perfection, I feel like that has endless possibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a creative element. I have choices. So for example, a second ago when you said, okay, I'm going to walk into my kitchen and I need to feel better about my kitchen, or I would like to feel better about my kitchen right now, which thing do I want to tackle? So um, in that way, you know, per- with perfection being dynamic, there's not just one and only Math, one mathematical formula, you know, to get to the one true outcome. There are many different outcomes provided the many different variables. So can we take, for example, you, here's another thing I love about your work, Casey, is that you really invite us into um, your mess. Mm-hmm. And you know how sometimes I feel like um, when other people do this on social media, it's like your mess is so cute. You know, it's like, how is, how are your laundry piles adorable? Because Mm -hmm. mine, you know, but you, I'm, and I hope that you take this as a compliment because I mean, it is one, but your mess is legit. It's like, it's like, that looks like mine. Like, that's what mine looks like. This is what I'm talking about. And Mm -hmm. I love how you kind of walk into the emotionally unknown by revealing yourself to us this way. So here's, here's my question. Can you walk us into your kitchen that's busting at the seams and in all of, you know, these really lived in ways. And can you give us a moment's peace for you um, that does not include working on it for two hours? Absolutely. So when I walk into my kitchen and it's just busted, let me just tell you what it looks like when it's busted. One, there is the remnants of whatever meal was eaten last right? Both the prep of it, like the tops of the strawberries are probably still sitting on the cutting board on the counter. My kids have abandoned their plates on the table, whatever project I was working on that day. We've got a big kitchen island. So it's like the catch-all and Mm -hmm. probably some notes that I was taking and maybe I was going to print something out. So the printer's sitting up there and there are dirty dishes in the sink sort of scattered all around. My kids have somehow opened up a cabinet and pulled all of the Tupperware out you get the picture. Um, there's definitely dirty pots on the stove. And, and when, when I think about, I have to clean my kitchen, like I said, it's ambiguous. I don't know where to start. And what I have found is that when I looked at my kitchen and thought to myself, how do I make this functional for me? 
how do I set this up so that morning me has success in that first few hours of the day? Mm-hmm. What I really was able to do was boil it down to like a list of five or six things. And I do this list every night in the same order. And I, I sort of, I refer to it as my closing duties. Yeah. We put our kids to bed around seven. And then right after that, I start my closing duties and it takes me to about 25 minutes. And then I clock out. I think that as a mom, because care tasks are always cyclical, there's always something in the home to do. It's difficult to have a time where you say I'm off duty. Like I just, I get to just exist now. And so I go in, I unload my dishwasher. I reload my dishwasher. I will declutter my counter with what I call the five things tidying method. So I'll look at my counter and I'll throw away Mm -hmm. all the trash. Mm-hmm. I will move all the dishes to the sink. Hopefully I did that before the dishes, but I don't usually, I, for some reason, I still do it in this order. Um, I will get the laundry. So there's typically like dish towels and like PJs from the morning. Cause we changed in the kitchen and mm-hmm. I'll put those in my kitchen laundry basket. And then I'll put away all the things that have a place. Mm-hmm. And then I'll sort of deal with the pile of things that don't really have a home. And sometimes I'll take some time to put them away. Sometimes I just put them in a tray. I have a little stack of plastic trays on my counter so that I can, things can just sort of collect there and it's clear. And so now I have a clear countertop. Then I will move on to the lunches. So my kids have lunch boxes that have little ice packs sewn into them. So you put the whole thing in the freezer. Mm-hmm. So I put the lunch boxes in the freezer. I take out my trash and, or I sweep my kitchen and I take out my trash and I take my medication. And I have found that that little list of things Mm -hmm. is all I need to get my kitchen back to functioning. Yeah. And there are still days where I feel like that's even sort of insurmountable, whether if I'm sick, if I'm having a stress out day. And on those days, I default to what I call my survival day closing duties, which is Mm. I find my kids milk cups. Mm-hmm. I stick them into my clean dishwasher. I run mm-hmm. it again and I take my medication. Yeah. The revolutionary things that I, that I feel that you do that again, I keep talking about this, but it just starts from the ground up. It's foundation is that it's about kindness. This is about kindness to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that you talk about in your book, you talk about kindness to your little self and then kindness to your future self, which you just talked about a little bit, but um, it's basically um, the idea is stepping in. And with kindness and with compassion, and then going back to the beginning of talking about these care tasks, not because you should, not because you're a bad person if you don't, not because you're disgusting and failing as a human if you don't, but instead, this is going to, I am caring for you in this moment. So one of the things that I can, um, you know, start to kind of spin over is, that's what I call my anxiety. It's like, it feels like this spinning um, that's, I, I'm failing as a grown up. I'm failing as a mother. I'm failing as a spouse because I can't do this. Will you talk about the kindness to your little self in those um, self-hating moments? Yeah. So that's the motivational switch that we're going to make here. Instead of right. doing care tasks out of, out of a motivation of shame, yes. either I feel, look at this place. It's such a wreck. I'm such a piece of shit. I've got to get it together. So I feel shame and that's motivating me. Or the idea that I better get this stuff together because if I don't, then I will will feel shame in the future. Yes. Other, either way, it's a motivation of shame. And when we work from a motivation of shame, we also rest from shame. So anytime we do sit down, we're thinking wow, I shouldn't yeah. be sitting down. Right. So 
When we work, we're in stress and anxiety and shame. When we rest, we're in stress and anxiety and shame. We feel exhausted. We don't want to do anything because we feel like we need a break. But if we take that break, we are start to procrastinate things and then it gets worse and then we feel more shame. And so it's a cycle that doesn't work. And so when we're doing those things in shame, we're doing those things with this external motivation of being enough. Mm-hmm. And if we switch that motivation to how can I be kind to future me? Mm-hmm. So when I'm looking at my kitchen, wouldn't it be such a kindness if morning me came down and clearly could pick up the milk cups for her kids and didn't have to search for them around the house and then pour out the chunky milk and clean it up. And while the kids right. are crying at her feet and she's stressed out about it. And it, this came about for me because I was my husband wakes up early with the kids on Sunday morning so that I can sleep. So on Saturday nights, I always felt this extra motivation to sort of get the kitchen back to functional so that he didn't have a stressful morning. Uh-huh. Right. And he didn't expect that from me. It's just something uh-huh. that I did because it was uh-huh. being kind to him. Kind. And it yeah. hit me like a ton of bricks. Wow. I deserve this kindness too. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I should be I should be as kind to myself as I am being to him. And so this idea that what would be kind to me also helps with that work rest balance, because some nights what is most kind to me is to sort of push through and get it done so that I'll be set up for success in the morning. And sometimes what's most kind to future me is to take my medication and sit down and rest Yeah, so that I have the energy that I need tomorrow. And what happens is that a lot of people what rises up in them is, oh, I don't feel like I deserve kindness. That's Mm -hmm. one of their barriers to care tax. It's one of their barriers to thinking this way. And that's where we start talking about the little self that can you imagine any point in your life, even as a small child, where you can look back at that little girl, that little boy, that little person and say, yeah, they deserved kindness. They deserved gentleness and protection Mm -hmm. and identify a point in your life in which that was, and try to reconnect that, that, that little person is still there inside of you. And can we sort of reparent that little person and the way they deserved to be parented? And, and so it's a real emotional way of connecting with, you know, how do I learn to care for myself? And how do I begin to be willing to open the door to this small possibility that I deserve to be cared for regardless of my level of functioning, regardless Mm -hmm. of how much I feel I'm failing, regardless Mm -hmm. of how ill my mental or physical health is right now. It's amazing to me that you make washing a plate so deep and yet it is. It really is. Um, I would like to close with just giving you a t- um, like a little snippet of women I know and just a, a little piece of advice for each one. So, um, for example, what would you say to the woman who is constantly wiping, who is constantly disinfecting, who's constantly ironing, sweeping and never letting a thing get out of place um, very much at the expense of quality time with people she loves? I would say a few things. One, I would say that rest is a right and not a reward. Rest is a need. Rest is different than sleep. I would say that an excellent life is not made up of doing everything excellently. 
An excellent life requires imperfection. An excellent life with your family will require that some things are left undone, that some things are done half-assed and that it's okay to leave things not quite done so that you can focus on the things that when you look back on your life, those memories will be there. And that's really the first step. Sometimes that's what someone needs to feel free from that compulsive cleaning. Mm -hmm. If they internalize that and they still feel that compulsive cleaning, that's when I say, I would then look at maybe some anxiety issues because I think mm-hmm. that anxiety disorders are massively underdiagnosed in women. Because yeah. if you're, if the way that your anxiety shows up is keeping a picture perfect home and never sitting down, that's actually rewarded in our society. Right. And so um, we wear it like a badge. Yeah. I mean, and I would say yeah. you deserve better coping skills for your anxiety than just having yes. to wipe, 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 wipe. You deserve peace. And so whether that's some therapy, some medication, um, you know, if you're not able to stop, even after you've kind of addressed some of those underlying morality beliefs, look into some anxiety issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. You know, and and just getting back to perfection might not be a a spotless kitchen. Perfection is the healthiest you, you know, kind of. (laughs) So getting back to that, that caretaking. Um, Okay. What would you say to the woman who is looking around at piles of laundry, piles of dishes, piles of dog hair, and absolutely cannot find the energy that it takes to get started? Because what's the point? Yeah. So I would say there's a few things kind of depending on where that's coming from. The first thing is that it's okay. It's always okay to just take care of tomorrow you. Like tomorrow you doesn't need four loads of clean laundry tomorrow. You needs one outfit. Yeah. So can you wash one outfit tomorrow? You doesn't need every dish in your house clean tomorrow. You needs a dish, a bowl and a set of silverware, right? Tomorrow you doesn't need every single place in your home to be spotless, but maybe they need one place to sit down that's clean and won't get dog hair on their work clothes. So it's Mm -hmm. always okay when you're in that survival mode to just take Mm -hmm. care of tomorrow you. Mm -hmm. I would also say that, you know, I would probably encourage that person to read my book because it's going to break down a lot of easy where to start with some tips and tricks. I would also say that sometimes when we think we're struggling with motivation, What we're actually struggling with is task initiation. Uh So motivation is the want and the desire to do something and the recognition that something is worth doing. And, And some of us struggle with that. Task initiation is I want to do this. I need to do this. I understand this will benefit me, but I am so paralyzed. I don't know how to activate myself to start. Right. And I think it's helpful to know the difference so that you, when you're looking at problem solving, you're not just looking at how do I get motivated? You're looking at, okay, how do I get, how do I initiate this task? How do I break it into small steps? How do I sort of trick myself into getting up on my feet and engaging? I would also say that one of my favorite tricks is the timer method. You know, what could you get done in 10 minutes? or five or three yeah. even, right? Whatever time frame doesn't make you want to run screaming out of the house. Like, oh, I could do, I could do something for three minutes. 
yes. setting a timer and just doing three minutes. And then you, you can stop if you want to, yes. or you can yes. keep going the permission. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Last one. What would you say to the woman who really tries to put priorities in a healthy order, you know, letting some things go here and there and choosing to play in the backyard instead, but then one day, maybe about once a month, am I talking about me? I don't know, but, um, cracking over the mess that has piled up likely because people are coming over and then verbally abusing everyone in the home. <laughs> yes. So number one, I would ask that person, um, <laughs> to pay attention to when their cycles are happening, mm -hmm. because for a lot of people, they're going to experience heightened anxiety, heightened irritability around their period. If okay. they're a person that has a period. And so mm -hmm. that would kind of be my first thing as a therapist would just be getting yeah. curious about, is this lining yeah. up with that period of time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes just knowing that for me is helpful. I'm laughing because I, I'm talking about myself here. Okay. This is, this is me, but, yeah. um, I'm laughing because I said once of once a month without even considering that <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> and that's what, that's what clues me off of like, let's, let's explore that first. Yeah. Um, right. Right. And because here's the thing, sometimes just knowing Oh, I yeah. know where this is coming from helps us because uh -huh. we always have that. I, at least I do. I'll start PMSing really bad and I'll be like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not yes. as healthy as I thought I was? Yes. And then you go to the bathroom I and you're like, oh, oh. And then you don't I want bad. to punch people in the face and then cry about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. This is <laughs> So I think that that can help a lot if that's what's going on. If you find that that is, it is sort of linked up with your cycle and um, it really, you're just nuts. So this actually personally yeah. happened to me. And my gynecologist actually put me on a continuous birth control pill with no placebo pills. So I never had a period. So I was never having that hormone drop that was creating. And so when I was in my postpartum depression, that's the first thing that we did was mm -hmm. let's eliminate any extra hormone drops that can mm -hmm. exacerbate these symptoms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's not, if it doesn't have anything to do with, with your cycle, if it's just sort of a, I'm doing pretty well. And then I crack, I would say, first of all, that sounds like most of your month is pretty awesome hmm. and that's okay. Hmm. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Like maybe for the rest of your life, once a month you crack. All right. Yeah. Like not everything has to be fixed, yeah. right? Like that's just being human. And, you know, obviously I don't love to yell at my family and I, I try to apologize when it happens. And sure. I give my family permission to tell me, um, even yes. my three-year-old will look at me and go, that is not kind and gentle mommy. Um, <laughs> and you're not supposed to you those words. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I know that there is a place for getting into how can we eliminate this, you know, situation yeah. that's really distressing you. And I don't, so I don't want to play uh, downplay it. Cause it sounds like yeah. it is stressful and it is something you would like to be better. But I always think that that has to be second to someone just looking at you and going, it's okay. Mm -hmm. That yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Even I like, it makes me feel emotional right now. Just looking at you saying yeah. that. So, so thank you. Yeah. It deeply resonates. I, um, you, you coach women with so much kindness and compassion. And like I said, you take emotional risks with your followers, well, with the world, when you let us into your home and into your life, um, you talk so frankly about your life experiences with postpartum depression, with your very real life. And, um, it's not always well-received and <laughs> you have such strong boundaries when that happens and you just forge away into this emotional unknown. And it's because you believe in what you're saying and you know that you're helping women. And 
I believe in what you're saying too. And I'm one of the women that you've helped. And I just love that nothing you say is prescriptive. There's so much permission in the things that you say. And I just so wholeheartedly thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm cheering you on, begging you to keep going <laughs> because it's just so important and revolutionary. Um, I, friends, we just touched on, um, the things that Casey says in her book, please, do you prefer them to go to Amazon to get a copy mm-hmm. of, of your book? Yeah. So yeah. head to Amazon. It's called How to Keep House While Drowning. Casey Davis, tell everyone how to find you, where to find you, what, what are the best ways? So my main social where I post every day, multiple times a day is TikTok and I'm at Domestic Blisters. You can find Struggle Care on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, both under Struggle Care. And then strugglecare.com is my website where you're going to find lots of resources. I have like, after you read the book, there are additional workbooks and handouts and printouts, um, some fun merch and stuff on there. And those are sort of the main places that you can find me. Awesome. Run faster, friends. Go do it. You're going to love her the way that I do. And I'm just, I'm really, really grateful for you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Safe to Save is an app that rewards safe driving. Do you find yourself wanting the peace of mind that comes with knowing where your family is, but not wanting to be that mom that's always asking, where are you? Are you there yet? How long will you be there? With Safe to Save Fam, you can have the comfort of knowing that your people are safe. You can see where they are. You can see how safely they're driving. And you can even receive notifications when they have arrived safely at their destination. Equip your family today with tools and knowledge needed to make sure that everyone arrives safely while receiving sweet rewards for not teching and driving. Restaurants like Jersey Mike's, McDonald's, Schlotzky's, Chick-fil-A, La Madeline, Smoothie King, all of them offering free food that motivate you and your family to not tech and drive. Start with 500 free points by entering the code Allison when downloading. Download Safe to Save today. Safe number two, save. Hi, Beefy. Beefinator. What's up? Um, okay, so we've been friends since the third grade. When we met in the third grade, when we were getting along so swimmingly, did you know that we were going to be friends this long when we met in the third grade? Uh, I don't think I knew to hope for that or dream that big. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, maybe, although we had very, um, like very specific discussions about splitting a backyard. So that's not entirely oh, true. That's true. That's true. We're going to live in a cul-de-sac and our husbands, we're going to grill together. Yep. Yep. Just going to flip some burgers <laughs> out of like all the fantasy, all the settings that this could take, like this epic friendship. We could be in Hawaii. <laughs> our third grade little minds were like, no, <laughs> let's just flip some burgers in the backyard. So practical, so reasonable. <laughs> Um, okay. I am really excited to debrief this conversation with mm-hmm. you. Did you love Casey? I loved her. I love the interview and I've been on TikTok loving her even more since. Yes. You get such a good mix of her personality mm-hmm. and all the things she's excellent at there. Mm-hmm. She has such good boundaries. I love it so much. She made me cry twice in the interview and mm-hmm. I just, I loved it. So I was so thankful that she said yes. Um, Okay, so there are two posts on social media, two kinds of posts on social media that can make me um, like I feel anxiety in my body and I have to physically scroll faster. It's like get that off of in front of my face. Okay. And so one of them is a perfectly curated space. 
Now, by the way, I follow all of these accounts. Okay, so I love- these are your choices. Yes, yes. I've set myself up for this, but I love Chip and JoJo. I love all the people that do beautiful things in their home. Um, but when I see them, it I, it creates anxiety. Mm. The uh, it just a, a per, whether it's a reno like a renovation or just a anyways. Okay, the other kind of social media post that can make me do that thing is um, when someone is crying into a camera, like they are yeah. documenting their tears. Mm-hmm. And I, as I, but I've thought about this because it's like, it's the same feeling it's anxiety. And I think that it is an authenticity thing for me. It's like mm-hmm. when I look at the perfect room and the perfect space that feels inauthentic to me, or and it, maybe if it's authentic right now, it won't be in five minutes. And so even that mm-hmm. feels like some sort right. of a lie, you know, if we're telling right. the truth, the whole truth and nothing about the truth, it's like, meh. And then, um, the other one, the, the, the crying into the camera that feels inauthentic because it's like you're trying so hard to be authentic that you've become inauthentic because nobody mm-hmm. in a moment grabs a camera and is like, wait, let me get this down. Right. Right. Hold on. Um, all right. Well, I mean, I think it might be about authenticity, but I think it also could be about something else too. I feel like those kinds of things also just make you feel bad about yourself, right? Like one makes you feel bad because you think you should have that or be operating that way, but you don't have that and you're not operating that way. Um, And the other one is that you feel bad about yourself because the person's sad, (laughs) but it's annoying you. Oh my gosh. This is why I keep you around. That is, yes, that is exactly right. I, I, well, I, and I think the authenticity is still a piece, but I do, I feel bad about myself. Ah, yeah. Okay. You want to know what makes me feel bad about myself? Five. Sure. Come again. (laughs) It's like, I'm really sure. Not just for sure, but five. (laughs) Okay. Um, So (laughs) why can everybody else keep their kids baseball pants white? Every other woman on the face of the earth has some sort of secret for dazzling whites. I did not get the memo. I completely missed it. Why can't I catch up? What's the product I need? And why do I care so deeply about white baseball pants? How in the world have we never talked about this before? (laughs) The pants, the baseball pants. Oh my gosh. What is the deal? I mean, I know that, I know that. I know we're joking, but I really feel like this is kind of Casey's point. Like this yeah. is exactly what she's talking about. It, there's like these 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 baseball pants. It's it's this thing, and your kid has them. Your kid right. is wearing them. Your kid is not pantsless on a baseball field, and there is there is this very morally neutral thing, sparkling right. white pants, right? That is making us feel things about ourselves, right? Right. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. So I'm really kind of not joking. I feel like a failure every <laughs> Saturday morning and I'm tired of buying new pants because that is the only way that I can figure out how to solve this problem that everyone else has got the secret manual to. Okay. But here's the thing. Here are our choices. I feel like I can either hate myself over baseball mm-hmm. pants, right? Yeah. Or fill in the blank, whatever the baseball pants thing right, is. Right. But I can either hate myself over that thing or I can ask for help with that thing or I can make peace with the imperfect thing. Right. Right. I mean, I feel like what Casey would say in, in this moment is that this morally neutral thing, baseball pants do not make me a good person or a bad person, but like 
it exists to serve me. That exists to serve me. I do not serve the pants. Our kid has pants. And just because someone has done whatever science experiment after science experiment is they do (laughs) to figure out the exact right formula. Um, it doesn't make them better people. It just means that they have different. Oh, she posted about this the other day. It means they have different hobbies. That's a hobby. You can go into, I think it was even specific to laundry. She was talking about a really beautiful laundry room with like, you know, the big glass things that have the granulated soap or so, you know, whatever, like, you know, like you have, you've created this beautiful laundry room space. Okay. Listen, that's your hobby, which is fine. That is fine. But I would never beat myself up because I don't enjoy paint by number or whatever. Like, so let's just call it what it is, which is a hobby. It's not, it doesn't make me better or worse because my laundry room is not, you know, photographable and that my kids' pants don't reflect light perfectly. Right. Okay. That's their hobby. I'm still mad about the pants. I'm still mad about the pants. Well, beef. What if? What if this is your hobby? What if you're? Gosh. What if you're a blocked creative and all this passion or all this fury is pointing you to your passion? It could be. Yeah, right up there with the lady named Beef Flipping Burgers. <laughs> so practical, so reasonable, <laughs> such a good hobby. All right, love you, Beef. Love you. Santa Clara Design Boutique provides accessible and affordable ways to create beautiful, sacred spaces in your everyday. Creating spaces that reflect what is true and good and beautiful is near and dear to owner and lead designer Lauren Gouldy's heart. Visit Santa Clara Design online at santaclaradesign.com to find a wide variety of Catholic art, prints, canvases, stickers, printables, tees, mugs, totes, and more. Center Saint Sister listeners get 10% off of their print and sticker orders with code Center Saint Sister. Sometimes on a really hectic day, I'll head over to at Santa Clara Design on Instagram to scroll and just take in all of the piece. Head over there on Instagram at Facebook at Santa Clara Design to join their email list. Thank you, friends, for tuning in. Catch us next week. Please subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. And consider heading over to patreon.com slash Allison Sullivan to help support the show. You help us grow. And for a little fun, you can head over to Sullivan Family TikTok. Today's show was a production of Allison Sullivan in conjunction with the Forte Catholic Podcast Network. For more great Catholic podcasts, head on over to ForteCatholic.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.